Today's episode of The Thriller Zone with David Temple is sponsored by The Story Factory and the visionary genre-bending debut novel Grand Theft AI by James Cox. The Matrix meets Blade Runner. Grand Theft AI is available now for pre-order from your favorite bookseller. Hello, I'm David Temple and welcome to the 25th episode of The Thriller Zone. Man, I am super psyched to have the world-famous and widely known thriller writer and screenplay master Chris Hottie on the show today. Now, Chris and I have been trying to connect for some time, and today looks like all the planets have aligned and we're sitting down to chat novels, movies, screenplays, travel, cooking, family, California, and a lot more. I'm glad you're here because I think you're in for a real treat. No, I know you're in for a real treat. (laughs) So how about I shut up and get going? There's a lot to do here on The Thriller Zone. Oh. Hello. Let me, uh, I I just put some coffee in the microwave. Let me go. Hey, is it all right if I do this outside? Hey, I love it. I actually love it. You know, I, I did it with one event, and I'm so sick of seeing people's bookcases and rooms, though yours is marvelous. Um. (laughs) <laughs> I just, I just thought, I, I'm just trying to mix it up for the, for our, for our wonderful viewers. You know, I'm so glad that you thought I had, I was just thinking a similar thing and I thought, well, where could I go? I could go in my backyard, I suppose. And I'm like, well, maybe that'll throw Chris off. He seems so uptight about everything. <laughs> yeah. Very sensitive. All right, David, I'll be right back. All right. I'm going to go get some coffee too then. All right. It's a good idea, right? All right. Yeah. While Chris and I are getting coffee, I wanted to take a quick second to say two things. Thank you for listening to this podcast. I know you have a whole lot of choices in podcasts, so the fact that you listen to this one humbles me. I'm really, truly grateful. Number two, if you like it as much as I hope you do, would you do me a quick favor? I promise it won't take but maybe a minute or two. However, it will go miles in helping this podcast to grow. Go to our website, thethrillerzone.com if you're not already there and write a quick review you'll see it right there in the top menu it can literally be one sentence just saying how much you like it and if you're listening to us on apple podcast or google or stitcher or spotify wherever you get your podcast you can leave a quick review there too we'd be so grateful okay that's about it looks like chris and i are making our way back to the microphones enjoy the show Okie dokie. Yeah, yeah. Let's see. How's the framing? Framing looks pretty good. Looks pretty dang special. Where are you out in the... Looks like... Wait a minute. You're not in Venice. No, I moved about six months ago. If I was still in Venice. Can you hear me okay? Has this been the right place? Uh, the closer you can get, the better. But, I mean, it's yeah. not It's not bad. <laughs> What's it sitting on? Uh, it's. A, I got a little, little doohickey. No, doohickey, yeah. Um... I moved. I'm like in the. You're in L.A., aren't you? I'm in San Diego. Oh, okay. Um, I moved from Venice to. This is officially Glendale, but I identify as as Pasadena. Um, oh, I love Pasadena. Yeah, Pasadena is fantastic. So I'm on the hill, like right between Pasadena. I'm I'm much closer to Pasadena than I am to Glendale. Went so I do everything in in Pasadena. So. Yeah, Venice got to be too much, man. Yeah. It just got to be way too much. I was there for about five or six years after I got a divorce, and I just kind of wanted 
I had had a home in Santa Monica and raised a family and all the schools and all that stuff. But then I was ready for something different. And, and then it just got too different. Yeah. Well, you, you put it best. And I often say this to my wife, we lived in Hermosa beach for 15 minutes when we were coming out from New York and we came to the conclusion that, and you use this phrase, it's too much. Yeah. It's just too much. It's too much. Too much people, too much crowds, too much traffic, too much concrete, too much. Look at that spectacular background. You have now officially cheers the best background. See? <laughs> best background ever. I think so. And I, it's just more fun. I mean, it's, I mean, yeah. it's a beautiful day. Hopefully the sun, I'm, I should be protected for most of the time. And yeah. I did, uh, I, I did, they paired me up. It was either Boucher, BoucherCon or ITW. They, they team me up with a, I God, I can't remember his name. It's not Adam Hamdi. It's a, a Brit guy older than Hamdi. I was really intimidated about meeting this guy. I hadn't read him. And he had just such an amazing resume. He had, you know, there's a lot of ex-military guys in our, in this genre. Yeah. But this guy, you know, I mean, serious, serious stuff. He had been taken prisoner and one thing after the other. And he turned out to be the sweetest, nicest, most fun guy. Wow. Uh, and a fantastic, you know, he, he, afterwards he sent me some of his work. It was fantastic. But interestingly, I was out here like wearing my sunglasses in the blue sky. And he was in shadow because he has such a, a history in, in MI5 or MI6 or something. He hides his identity. He never reveals his identity. So he was in this like shadow. Wow. <laughs> And then I was like, you know, the nerd in Hollywood, you know, out here in the, he had been a consultant in Hollywood. He had done consultancy on the, one of my all time great action sequences in heat, the, the shootout in the street, oh. he did consultancy on that. And I'm supposed to like talk about Hollywood to this guy. Forget Best shootout ever. Right? I, mean, I, I just kind of like, a lot of times I find when I do things with authors, other like two, two, to, two tops with authors, you know, I, I don't know. It's only been a few of them. He was such a sweet guy, but I've, I'm not going to name names, but there is a guy whose name I do remember. I'm not going to mention it, but we're not <laughs> recording now, right? Yes, we are. Oh, we are. <laughs> oh, sure. I take everything, dude. I'm, I'm old school. Okay. Well, it's all right. I'm not going to mention his name anyway, but oftentimes I just, I, I feel like I, I have so many questions. I hate talking about myself and, and I like asking questions. So I, I become sort of the de facto uh, moderator in a way and just ask questions. And this guy, I'll figure it out. He was, he was fascinating. I loved him. All right. There's a couple things I'm going to say. Uh, first of all, I'm not sure that I'll be particularly fascinating, although you can ask all the questions you want. Number two, yeah. I don't have nearly the track record that you do, which is part of the reason I'm having this. But I do have a track record in radio, which gives me some pretty good pull to do. Podcasts. Oh, you got the you got the pipes of a of a of a. Voice night, DJ, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's amazing. Well, Great luckily. Voice. I spent 30 years doing that. So thank you. Yeah. Um, but I know something about you and that is you're a freaking engaging guy. I knew it oh, intrinsically. I knew it intrinsically. I knew it somehow. I, I just somehow knew it. And then when you got on here instantly, I'm like, boom, this is the guy I was expecting to meet. Good. So, so Good. listen, 
We got all the time in the, almost all the time in the world, at least an hour-ish, yeah. uh, hour and a half. And I have so many questions, but uh, we are going to, I'm going to ask you a couple of questions about you, so just get ready. Yeah. It was Thriller Fest 2019, my first one. You were giving out arcs of I Deep wasn't State. there, but they gave out arcs of Deep State. Okay. I was not there. I have oh. not done one in person yet. I have not done Boucher or ITW or any of them yet. I'm dying to go because I've met many people online through social media, et cetera, et cetera, and yeah. have become friendly with them and in a way that I never did in three decades as a screenwriter. Yeah. Um, so I'm dying to get out there and, and drink beer and all right. Out. You and I are drinking copious amounts of beer at the yes. one in this coming year. Um, KJ Howe and I have yet to connect to talk about some fun things I want to throw at her. But so, okay, so so I read Deep State in probably, I don't know, a day. It was just great. Haley Chill is freaking awesome. Um, I have not finished Savage Road. I've mm -hmm. been just too many stacked, but I, I, I have read enough to get a really good sense of where she's going. And I want to talk about her. Let's, let's talk about her as we slide in to talk about you. Mm -hmm. And so Savage mm -hmm. Road, it's about cyber attacks, but since you're more intimately familiar, how about you give my audience uh, kind of a description inside scoop of that really, you know, the, the tasty reasons they want to read that book and then get a copy today. Well, it's always difficult for me to talk about the books in their tastier aspects because so much of my work relies on twists. Right. And, and it, it's even hard to talk about Savage Road if people haven't read Deep State. So I'm always very guarded and I'm always concerned that I'm not making it a very uh, appetizing morsel of my descriptions, <laughs> except to say that um, Savage Road definitely op can operate as a standalone. You don't necessarily have to read them uh, in order, uh, though okay. it helps immensely. And I just did my first in-person event in Indianapolis at the Carmel Library event, which was a lot of fun. And, and, and I was asked that a million times. They had uh, well, probably not a million, perhaps... <sighs> dozens of times it was a really great event they had lots of people there and um and they had both of my books first all right i lost you for just a quick but anyway, second savage road okay. um yeah um you... maybe the outside thing is maybe i need to get one of those boosters get a so booster it seems like i have enough i have enough uh, bars there but anyway yeah you know the way the book came about um you know you always need to find the big bad right i mean sure. what what is the what's the issue what's the big issue um and um and so w this is so long ago that i conceived this book <laughs> i feel like i'm talking about ancient history but um i literally i just got on uh our, our good friend the internet and 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 just what's the biggest threat uh you know facing america today because my books are primarily domestic and not just set in the United States, but also in a loose way. And I've talked about this in the past. I'm interested in the ways that we can defeat ourselves and the way that we or people or institutions, et cetera, can, can undermine this wonderful 
wonderful experiment in democracy that we're all enjoying today. And so uh, the thing that popped out was, uh, and this really does feel like ancient history, but um, was, you know, a cyber attack. Sure. And, and after I did my research, I read a stack of books and, and found as many articles online as I could about what exactly all of that entailed. Um, you, know, you know, I just had had no idea at the time how fragile all of it was, everything that we do, the way that you and I are talking, the way that I'm going to cook my lunch today, everything is connected, everything is connected. And yeah. It's all, it's all vulnerable. And I, I guess the, the part that really jumped out at me the most was this idea that at the time, uh, the idea that uh, our government and military are essentially secure, but everything else, civilian and commercial, industrial, not protected totally vulnerable and also the fact that that the cyber warfare is like a cold war that's been going on for years and we really led the, the way we were the best at it for many years but certain key players china russia north korea iran have caught up and so all this stuff has been going on without us having any, you know, except for a, a, a small number of people in Washington, uh, that all these cyber landmines were being placed in our networks and, infra and, and industrial and commercial and business infrastructure, just waiting to be set off. Um, and so after I finished all my research, I ran out and, and purchased a generator and 30 days of dried, freeze-dried foods because I wasn't much of a prepper. And I'm right. still not a prepper, but it seemed really uh, careless not to do something. You know, sure. it's like living here, living in, in beautiful Southern California, if you don't take some preparations for a, an earthquake that will come, you're just you know, you're, you're not living smart. Um, and you're, and, and you're not taking care of your loved ones. So anyway, uh, with that material, um, you know, I just set about creating a story for, for this big bad, the sense of like a continuation of Haley's Chill's story. And she's a very, you know, for those who have not read any of, uh, of the books, you know, she's, she is a young woman of of relentless determination, pure idealism, and fairly proficient skills. But she's ass kicking a, machine. She's an yeah, she's an ass kicking machine. But she's not. I I took some pains, and whenever I read a a, a reader review suggesting that you know she's a super woman or you know, indestructible, you know, I take some, I take mild offense to that because I've, you know, I've, I, I really wanted to create more of an, of an every woman and every person. Um, and you did it. Yeah, I, I think I did. I, I don't you think did. you're, you're reading it entirely carefully. I mean, she, you know, that it was necessary for her to be able to 
to be a player in the in these scenarios that I create, it was necessary for her to have some well above average skills and stamina and and knowledge of technique. But and I give her one little teeny tiny, uh, you know, kind of special. It's not a power, but a gift, if you will of memory, um, essentially just to have fun. I mean, at the end of the day, these things are supposed to be fun. Sure, sure. You know, the books, <laughs> um, and my editor totally appreciates that fact uh, that, you know, you're reading for entertainment and 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 that's what I hope to deliver. Um, God, I lost my train of thought, David. Well, actually you jumped ahead for me because I was gonna say, let's talk about Haley Chill because I, I love this character because to your point, what I found so intriguing about her is that she feels like just a good Southern girl that came out of the mountains and uh, not a redneck per, per se, but but had this ability to just think on her feet, smarter than your average bear. And she was it martial arts or some form um, MMA. Well, no, she was when, when we first meet her in Deep State. She's uh, uh, about to get into a boxing ring, so she's a boxing, boxing. Okay, but she, uh, I think she mixes it up. But the the, the point being is it, that's something you don't see every single day. A, a, a gal who's a boxer, right? And so the fact that she was able to stand up and defend herself uh, rather strategically was very impressive. So. I didn't see her as a superhero. I just saw her Good. as a, a gritty, a smart, gritty uh, survivor. Good. And um, and just takes that expertise and this fitness regimen to the next level. That's all. So uh, that's why I dig her. And where did Chill come from? I mean, that's just too friggin' cool. Well, <laughs> cool. Uh, it came from, uh, you know, putting together character names is sort of like putting together titles for your works. And I love it. Isn't it fun? They Well, it can be either really fun, sometimes very easy, and sometimes very difficult. Um, I think, uh, you know, I think I don't want to date myself, though. You know, it's kind of obvious in a, in a, in a video podcast, but um, uh, I think it was sort of, uh, you know, part partly wanting to find a, a cool name and also, you know, remembrance of uh, a childhood crush on Haley Mills or something. So, um, wow, you are you dating know, yourself. I, yeah, a little bit. Um, so that's where that came from. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, but well, I mean, to your point about her, her physical skills, I think what, you know, in my, it, I think what makes a character and a, and a person, a real person, uh, strongest is their belief system. Yeah, you know that you can you can uh, you can cut off a man's arm, but you can't you know you can't take the ideas and values and ideals out of his head. Um, and as long as you have those values and ideals to fuel your you know your motivations. Uh, and the purer they are, the better the, you you create a formidable character. And so for me, that's, you know, she has her flaws and 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 very much human uh, foibles um, that can undercut her progress through uh, attaining, you know, completing a mission or fulfilling her goals or whatever. But you know what the bedrock of her character is her belief in uh you know essentially the the US constitution and its value 
But, you know, it's not just idealistic. It's it's something that's woven into who she is, which is another thing that the reason I believe her so that when she gets into Savage Road and she's working in and around the president, you are allowed to believe, well, of course, she's snuggled up to that level of uh, proximity to power because right. she has the goods to back it up. Yeah. She's yeah. not just somebody that's thrown into a situation like, wait a minute, you took a gal who will we'll make this up in the cornfields and she throw, she's thrown into the White House and she's hanging out with the president. Mm. Mm -hmm. But the way you do it uh, makes it great sense. Right. You mean that's you're 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 talking about one of those uh, uh, twists that will go on unarticulated. That is uh, one of those twists that will go unarticulated. Right. I will not art. I will. I will. I am failing to articulate that de-articulation. All right, you just froze. So I either scared you or we just have an intermittent. Hopefully, uh, you know, the character in the books will be such that be revealed. There okay, we go. there you go. All right, I'm going to have you pick back up because I lost you. Let's do this because I'm I'm fascinated by your background of screenplay writing. I do have a couple of credits here that you have uh, you've written several films: Sniper, Ultimate Kill, Never Back Down, Homeward Bound Two, Lost in San Francisco. Mm -hmm. Three video credits: Sniper, Ghost Shooter, Never Back Down, No Surrender, and Never Back Down to the Beatdown. So, uh, looks like you've done a series. And my first question is, how long have you been working on screenplay writing? And is that what took you to L.A.? Because you're not an L.A. native, correct? No. Okay. No. Um, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rewind just a little further back. Sure. Um, I've been writing something since I was, you know, in high school. Sure. Um, and so when I went to college, uh, I think for my admission package, I wrote a bunch of poems. Um, and then when I got to read college, uh, I met up with some other like-minded folks and got turned on to Charles Bukowski and started writing. No, uh, I mean, I wasn't writing totally Charles Bukowski type poetry, but uh, I was a poet in college. And then towards the end of my college career, college years, I was introduced to Sam Shepard and his plays. Oh, yeah. So then I decided I would move to New York and write stage plays, uh, which I did for a number of years um, and made exactly zero dollars doing that. Um, <laughs> it was it was fun, but it wasn't, you know, it was no way to earn a living. Um, and so I started, uh, casting around for ideas of how to support myself as a writer and, um, began reading screenplays for Gabriel Katzka, who is, a was a New York based film producer, um, very successful in the seventies and eighties and nineties. Um, he did Falcon and the Snowman and he did the original taking of Pelham one, two, three, among other titles and um anyway that was essentially my 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 film education was reading screenplays and books in galley form for katska um and so i i wrote a screenplay uh i think influenced by falcon and snowman i 
and being a big fan of Sean Penn, it was, uh, you know, I had Sean Penn in mind for this father and son drama, very heavy drama, dark set in Texas, which is where I was born, uh, and wrote that screenplay. I, I didn't know anyone in Hollywood and Katzka, I can't even remember if he read it or not, but it wasn't for him, uh, probably. Um, but anyway, I sent it to a buddy of mine who was being, who was trying to be a producer out here in LA. And, um, and he read it and started sending it around and to real producers. And, um, and one of those producers read it. Uh, I guess he got my contact information from my friend, Brian. And, and I was at my shit job in New York city, um, you know, working the night shift somewhere. And I get a phone call literally from, from Hollywood, from LA. And um, which kind of blew my mind. And he said, I wrote a, the producer said, I had written a great screenplay. I should be out here writing screenplays for, for, the, for Hollywood. And I said, that sounds like a really good idea. And, um, and, and so 20 minutes or 10 minutes after that phone call, I get another phone call from a, from an, a, a, a relatively uh, big agent at, at one of the big three agencies. Um, and um, he said the same thing, essentially, from the, reading from the same script. Wow. And then 15 minutes after that phone call, I get a call from an executive at Paramount and um, saying the same thing. Because they, so they're all got on the phone and, and talked about me and the screenplay. And, and so, you know, this was all really heady stuff. I've been banging my head against the wall in New York City for eight years trying to become the next Sam Shepard. And here suddenly overnight, I'm, I'm discovered in, in Hollywood. Right. Um, you know, they never bought that screenplay. I did fly out to LA almost within two weeks. And that agent sent me around on a round of meetings. And that executive at Paramount hired me for a job at Paramount to rewrite to, to write a remake of, uh, of a movie called, uh, was it The Rainmaker? I think it was The Rainmaker. Um, to do a modern up, update of The Rainmaker. And, um, you know, that, that project went nowhere, obviously, but it got me my start. And, um, and that's how it happened. That's how... <laughs> you know how that, that's one in a million chances yeah, of that happening I, I know i'm i was very lucky i mean it was a lot of hard work i always wrote i i was always writing and i still do to this day i still write almost every day and and it's kind of you know frankly that story repeated itself in how i transitioned from from writing screenplays for 30 years to writing books um I, I've talked at, at some length uh, about that transition uh, in various interviews and podcasts and events and stuff, book events. But uh, in short, it's been a really happy transition. Uh, I learned a lot as a screenwriter. You know, the most substantial, most elemental thing I learned, uh, I think, in in making myself, uh, you know, have have some a reasonable acceptance in in publishing is to write in a way that engages your reader because it's so difficult to get people to read in Hollywood. No one sure. wants to read, 
You know, I mean, a guy, uh, uh, another screenwriter, a successful screenwriter wrote a, a, a screed called, no, I don't want to read your screenplay. <laughs> I mean, and that encapsulates, you know, the way people feel about reading here. I mean, they hire people to do the reading for them and, and pay it. That was my first job in Hollywood uh, for 25, 30 bucks a, a, a screenplay. That's how much how little people want to read. So in order to to get people to like keep turning the pages, you have to really write prose and dialogue that every word counts and it just has texture and um, interest and and the story moves and pops. And so I, I think I brought that with me, you know, and that's how I wrote Deep State. Deep State was my first uh, book, my first novel. And, um, you know, I hate to admit this, but I, I really didn't know what I was doing in terms of what was expected of me. And I think that helped because I just, dude, I just like did what I wanted to do because it seemed instinct, instinctively, it seemed right to me and fun and, and had a way of carrying a reader forward because that's how I write. If I write and I'm like, just feel like I'm just typing, I know that it's time to step away from the computer and and wait till you feel that excitement that you're translating onto the page. All right, well, let me ask you something here uh, because I have had people say of some of my work, not to make this about me, but to bounce back to you. They have said that some of my earlier work feels like it was a screenplay. And at first I took that very personally as a negative. And then I found them saying, no, no, no. The reason I like that is because Everything keeps moving forward and it's kind of sparse and it gives me enough information for atmosphere, but not too much to weigh it down. Yeah. And so there's a part of me that says, uh, when I hear agents, because I've had agents do this before, they they pick up an excerpt of my work and go, ah, reads like a screenplay. And I go, wow, is that a bad thing? Should it be more more prose and more literary and so forth? But I'm like, when the stuff that I read, I just finished reading um, William Boyle's Shoot the Moonlight Out. And that is written in such a way that you're just constantly flying through it. It's, inner, it's dialogue and inner dialogue. So I guess my question is, um, Chris, do you find yourself that that having come from screenplay writing, uh, well, evidently it's benefited you because you've banged out two books that are both very character-driven and action-driven, very little uh, waste of anything, uh, you know, take out the words that don't drive the story forward. So it, to you, it's it's worked. And do you see that as being a negative when people go, oh, it feels kind of like a screenplay? Well, people say it in, in, uh, in different ways. You know, you're like, oh, you're thin or oh, you're thin. You know, it's like, <laughs> so, so it's like some people say it as a, an indictment. And, you know, honestly, um, after three decades in, in, in Hollywood, I, you, you get a, a very thick hide. Yeah. Um, so um, I want people to like it. And I, I want the more people who like it, the better. I want to sell a ton of books. Um, but I also want to feel good about what I'm doing and feel proud about what I'm doing. And 
I, I need to do things a little differently. I mean, I, I, I've said it before, I'm the weirdo, you know, I, I do things a little differently. And some people like it. And uh, I think more people like it, honestly, and some people don't. And if you don't, you can't please everybody. So, I mean, one of the, 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 the devices that I just did because it seemed at the time, it was literally spontaneous when I was writing Deep State was to, to flash forward with secondary characters as they were leaving the stage, um, you know, just give you a, a brief paragraph, if, if that, of like, what happens to them? And more to the point, like how did their experience interacting with Haley Chill, how did that affect their lives going forward? Why? Because I'm interested in that. I want to, I, I hate like not knowing. It just is fun for me to imagine it. And I think maybe the idea of it came from, um, you know, where like at the end of Animal House, where they tell you at the very end and the, during the credit sequence, you know, what happened, uh, various characters as they went on. And it's oftentimes done for comedic effect. Um, I'm doing it, I'm doing it for a slightly more dramatic effect. But, you know, some people, you know, if I go on Goodreads or Amazon, you know, some people go, oh, I really hated that. It, 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 it distracted me. I don't care what happens to those characters. And I'm like, well, you know, I don't know if I'm going to keep doing it. I, I do it a little bit in Savage Road. I can't remember if I did it in Storm Rising now, to tell you the truth. I think I did a little bit. Um, but uh, I just, I got to do things. To make I know, you happy. I, yeah, I know it's, I just have to be who I am. You know, sure. I'm not, I'm not uh, Tom Clancy. Right. Um, I'm not going to write like Tom Clancy. I'm not going to sit down and go, I've got to write more like Tom Clancy to sell Tom Clancy numbers of books. <laughs> right. right. I don't think I'd be very good at that. Right. <laughs> I really don't. I got to do what I'm, what I feel good about and what, what I feel like I'm good at. So, and what I read, I mean, I, I, you know, I, I'm reading Jonathan Franzen right now. Very, very, you know, traditional, conventional, not in my genre, but in terms of prose writing. I mean, you can't get more sort of straight up conventional fictioning than that. But Jonathan um, who? Jonathan Franzen, literary fiction guy. But um, he's such a good writer that, you know, I, I I can read that stuff. And so do you find yourself learning something while you're reading it? From him, not so much, just because I know I could never be that writer. But, you know, for inspiration, sometimes before I start a project, I'll pick up someone who is like light years above me, but just like a, a stylist um, who, who I, I'm not saying I can write as good, but their style and the way that they deal with language and tell story is something that can just spark me to sit down and be as good as I can fucking be good at this. Right. And, and so like I, before I started, I'm working on book four now. So I, I picked up and I was like a little bit of a slow start. And so I picked up Cormac McCarthy. Oh yeah. And it's just gonna... like his language is more like the way his prose is more like in line with what I do than Franzen is. So I'm reading Franzen just because I, you know, it's just so great enjoy to read. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, I enjoy it, but, um, you know, I read it, it more in my genre, but 
for that kind of, you know, because I want to read the people I make, I'm becoming friends with. Um, but I don't really want to know how they how they do it because right. they have their own way. So I have like these sort of aspirational guys who just, I'm not even aspiring. I wouldn't even say that. I'm just like as inspirational, I guess is the word. All those books I've loved. And I know he's not particularly, you know, he's getting all, he's, there's, you know, there's gripes, but everyone's griping in this day and age. So you can't. Who gives a shit, Chris? Can I just say that for the record? Uh, I don't, but you know, yeah. I, um, but it might not be terribly uh, cool to like be uh, saying how how much I love Jonathan Franzen, though he doesn't, you know, he certainly doesn't need my approval. Yeah, but my point being is you like what you like. You know, I like uh, I like salty, crispy snacks. My wife likes gooey, <laughs> sweet snacks. I don't like sweets. She's not all that keen on salt. Doesn't yeah. make it either one of us wrong. It's just what we like. Well, certainly. Um, I mean, that's why I always, if anyone starts getting chesty about a particular book or movie or TV show, and like, how could you possibly like that? I'm like, it just, it's entertainment. It, we're, we're not yeah. talking about math. We're not talking about climate change. We're not talking about physics. This is, this is art and entertainment. It's, yeah. You know, I have a hundred questions that are riddling through my head. So I want to make sure I grab a couple of them. One sure. of them has to do with Cormac McCarthy. Where did it, where did a guy who comes along and in some ways is uses either no or very little punctuation, where, where did that guy come along and go one day, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to use no punctuation. I don't care what anybody thinks about it. And all of a sudden he's, everyone uses him as an example of, something fantastic yes he, he is a great writer don't get me wrong and mm -hmm. uh, there's so many of his books that i really love but and, and that's a little bit of a tangent but my point being you know he's a he he was his own rule breaker at one time so he broke the rules and and they worked for him yeah i mean that's what i mean it dovetails with what we were talking about earlier david i mean yeah. what i w w you know the on the occasions that someone comes to me and they want to they're trying to they want to be a writer, whether it's in screenplays. I have a different rap for people who want to be screenwriters, but I can pick, you, you can give me a page, of, of uh, tear a page out of any Franzen novel, tear a page out of any uh, Cormac's work. I'll, I'll be able to identify that without seeing a title page. I mean, you need to, for me to be interested and for me to be a, an engaged author, I need to I need to know that I'm speaking with a voice. And so I, my, when I sat down and started working on Deep State and realized how much I was loving it, as opposed to, you know, my experiences as a screenwriter, which uh, is a whole nother story, but uh, I just felt like George W. Bush when I did that. Um, uh, <laughs> I need to know that I'm, I'm, writing with a voice and 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 i'm still working on it i mean it's it's developing i mean i like i said i just sat down on a whim and started writing deep state and now uh i'm on book four and and you know in, a way, in some ways book two was harder to write you know sure. because now there was stuff at stake you know expectations expectations <laughs> i had to like i didn't want to be a one-hit wonder yeah. Uh, and, and that, and I was more careful, you know, I was like, 
you know, it's like a, a baseball, you know, it's like a hitter in baseball. It's like, he starts to press, he's trying too hard. And, and um, so that took several more drafts. I had to go through that and, and kind of, you know, massage it and loosen things up. But, um, and ultimately I, I think it, it came out great. The second book um, just learned it got nominated for a golden poppy. Wow. Right. Right. Road, Golden Poppy, uh, distinguished California writers. And it's a big state, David. There's a lot yeah. of writers here. It's a, it's nearly its own nation. You know, like I in high school, I was second in the state in Butterfly. But that's Delaware. Delaware is a small state. That's saying very little. <laughs> it's not the same as being the second in the state in uh, California high school, Butterfly. But uh. anyway, voice. So that's that's. Um, that in, in answer to your, I think it was a question about how how Cormac. I mean, I mean, something like that. You you read and you go, oh shit, I can do that. You know that just no punctuation, spare language. Uh, you know, vague kind of attributions of dialogue. I can do that. Uh, it's extremely hard to do well. <laughs> and that guy, you know, he's been at it a long time, a true author, you know, um, that it, he's an, the people, authors like that are inspirations to me. And, and sure. if I, when I pick up books and I don't feel that voice, it becomes difficult. It, it's, it almost becomes a chore to read, especially if it's not, if the, if the pages aren't snapping, you know? So, you know, these are all, these are all just ideas. I'm going to insert something here. And, and I don't I don't always do this. Uh, I mean, the show is also young enough that I just haven't done it before. I'm going to launch something in December where I'm going to start doing reviews uh, as part of the adjunct to the rest of the show. But um, I'm going to do this with you because I, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, we're going to be in touch. There's a there's a simpatico I feel with you for some reason. And so I'm going to recommend Shoot the Moonlight Out if you haven't read it yet with William yeah. Boyle, because I yeah. want I want to sit down with you later and talk about that book and how it affected you and and if it affected you the same way it affected me. It's just a riveting book. I want to go back to something about screenplays because I'm, I'm secretly fascinated by it. I I dabbled in screenplays, uh, you know, a few years back. I would write one after the other only one of them went anywhere. And it was my very first novel that I wrote when I very first self-published and I, I turned it into a screenplay and then I turned it into a film and I actually sold the film to Netflix and Amazon. So I must've known something I was doing and it's on Amazon and Netflix right now. But, you know, uh, no one ever said to me, oh, they, or they did say, you know, you're not really much of a screenplay writer. So to that point, I thought, you know what, screw you. Um, it just isn't hitting you the right way. And I agree with you. You do. I, I did three tours of duty in Los Angeles and it, and it, you have to get to the point where you go Fuck off because you know, you're going to do what you're going to do. So I think the fact that I was able to turn that into a screenplay and then a movie myself that I actually directed and raised the money for, I, I was just so determined. I was so Haley chilled, man, that I was going to do it my way. So all of that is a whole bunch of words, Chris, to say, don't, do you agree? Do you feel like, you know, sometimes when it's screenplay writing, you got to just barrel through. And if you have a yearning to write screenplays 
and it's a tough business. I get it. And you know, you're, you're condensing three, 400 pages to 120, and it's got a hit on every single solitary beat, but run and with reckless abandon, wouldn't you agree? And just go after it. There's a lot in there, but you got to chew on that a little bit. Well, no, it just, it depends on what your ambitions are, Mm -hmm. you know? And, and so to say, I want to write a screenplay, um, I always, you know, if someone says that to me, I always ask them, well, for whom, you know, who, for the studios to, to, to write your indie, um, I mean, to get a job writing screenplays or TV shows for, so you can break it down in many different ways. So if you have a very personal story, um, I, I just got contacted, someone emailed me from my website, my author website, and and she was a librarian, I think, on the East Coast. And she had written a book. And it was something to do, I can't remember what it was. It had something to do with autism. And I can't remember what the, who the characters were. But she wanted me to consider writing the screenplay adaptation of her, the book. And, you know, I'm... I don't have, I'm busy with my own projects. That's not true. But I said, why don't you write that yourself? You know, I mean, it's a personal project. Uh, No one knows those characters in that story better than you. And, um, and it's a, the scale is, is small enough that, you know, if, if it came out really good and, and then you gave it to a director who directs indies and, and you went around and got financing years later, it might turn into a movie. And who knows, it might be an amazing movie that that goes to Sundance. That's a totally different path from, I wanna write the next Avengers movie, you know? Um, I don't even know how you do that, to tell you the truth. I mean, that path, I don't know how that happens, honestly. I mean, that that is not my, that's not my type of movie, the superhero movies. So I don't even know how those guys get those jobs. But I would say if to write anything, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's a screenplay or a novel or a opera or a book of poems, of course, write it, you know, because write it without expectations. That's what I, that's what I always say. It's like, it's not the, the, the goal that you're doing this for, because it probably won't happen. You know, it, yeah. the movie won't get made. The book of poetry won't get published and win the Pulitzer. I went to New York and I spent eight years trying to like become the next Sam Shepard. It never happened. <laughs> Sam Shepard didn't need my, you know, like co coexistence, you know, right. fantastic man, fantastic playwright and actor and all those things i really was sad to see him go but yeah uh he was a big influence one thing leads to another as you're a writer so it's a total cliche you a platitude oh it's a combination of a cliche and a platitude uh whatever that might be but you write you write because you love to write i have never had a day of of writer's block in my life and writing, you know, frankly, David, taking the morning away from my writing, a little, 
<laughs> because that's what I really love to do. That's what makes me feel fulfilled. That are you just froze on me again? I'm gonna wait for that to, to catch your up. Your question, which is, hang on one second. Okay, now you're back. So wait a minute. Are you telling me that you're pissed off at me because I ate into your morning writing time? I am. I'm. I'm not pissed off. Oh. I'm mildly. I'm. I. I I'm mildly. <laughs> No, not at all. I'm teasing you. Okay. But that's how much, I mean, I'll get my, I'll get my work done after lunch for sure. But you had me, but you know what, dude, we could have, I mean, if all of a sudden you said, you know, Dave, <laughs> no, I'm teasing your, you. your sucky little show. We could, could we no, do this at no, one o'clock when I'm done? I mean, no, you're ridiculous. I'm never done. I take a quick lunch and then I get back to it. Okay. Um, you, Wait, let me interject a real quick question. If you're all right, you, you've got these two, you got, uh, Deep State, Savage Road, and uh, Storm Rising, which we still have to talk about. You're working on number four, but let me ask you this because I'm really curious about this. When you say you're writing every day, when you're writing, 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 are you working on that fourth book or do you, real, real important to me to know this, do you have time for that book and then you say, I'm going to use this. It's going to be completely ridiculous, but you'll get a kick out of it. But you know, I want to secretly be a romance writer. So I'm working on this other romance on this romance on the side, just to kind of test my uh, abilities there. So are you working on multiple things or do you, uh, are you just kind of knee deep? And no, no, no. I, I mean, I, I'm a, I'm a bit of a dingbat, so I can't, <laughs> I can't do that. I need to be, I'm, I'm, I'm immersed in, book four right now so that's okay. why it's almost difficult for me to like re, you know get back into savage road you know uh, or even storm rising which i mean i finished really the 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 brunt of the work uh i guess probably at the beginning of this year uh, and and then the slow build to start writing uh uh book four have I talked about the title? I don't think I've even. No. What am I writing? I'm. Not, I'm. I, I'm not. I'm not going to say it. What is it? I'm not going to say it. It's Just a, between you, I'll hit pause. I'm. I'm hitting pause right now, Enrique. All right, go ahead and tell it to me. I am not. No, I'm not <laughs> talking. We can only talk about the upcoming book. I'm not talking about book four. Book four. I'm not working on book four. I'm going to go down the hill and golf this afternoon, David. Are you really? Yeah. No. Um, do you like to? Do you actually? Do you like to golf? I used to like to golf, but then my lower back decided that it didn't want me to golf anymore. So, so I, if I came up and we went up to, uh, there's a great little uh, goat track up in uh, Altadena way that we could. Uh, you could I, probably coax me out, but I would hack my way. It would be an ugly, it would be an ugly scene. I swim. I Like this morning I was at Rose Bowl Aquatic Center swimming. Oh, wow. So that's a, a kinder, gentler form of exercise but hey do you ever go up to the antique show on is it sunday is it still sundays and is Rose it like, Bowl, uh, flea market yeah flea market yeah you, you know, ever go up there uh no nah. not a flea market guy no nah, not a flea market guy but i'll be working on the book the manuscript for book four but the production of book three is ongoing i mean we're just wrapping up um the art the arcs for for storm rising will be Right, arriving here any day now so and that's an ongoing process of you know reviewing edits and reviewing copy edits and and making changes so that's and you do only, you do have my address right so that you can send me an arc of that book so i can read that you'll send me i'll definitely get you to get you an arc i'll definitely get you the arc i'm very excited about uh storm rising it's there's a connective narrative tissue between the three books 
Deep State, Savage Road, and Storm Rising right. of, of involving Haley Chill's father. Um, and you've probably picked that up. I don't know how far you've gotten into Savage Road, but... Um, mm -hmm. Enough to know that, which deep, I won't give away. In Savage Road, he's, there's a very strong presence of Haley Chill's father and, and his story. And, and that story is resolved in Storm Rising. Oh, and it, okay. And the whole, the whole narrative kicks off on her attempts to find out what happened at the, at the end of Savage Road, right? Right. Is, is her attempt to figure out what the hell, how, how did that come about regarding okay. her father? Um, obviously being very vague here. Yeah. Um, and that, that pursuit dovetails, and I'm using that word for the second time, sorry folks, dovetails with um, a much bigger, the big bad of, of book three um, is quite big in scale. It's the biggest, biggest, it's the biggest bad of all three books. And, um, and it's something, you, you know, it's weird. I was looking for, for, so we're talking about Storm Rising now. Um, again, you know, when trying to figure out what you're, what the hell are you going to write about? What is this book going to be about? Um, on the macro scale, mm -hmm. um, you know, I think I had seen an article about uh, issues of white supremacists in the military. And, and I, you know, I found a smattering of articles uh, about it. It wasn't like, it didn't strike me like that it, this was an this was not a big issue but it, for me it seemed like an interesting issue um just fraught with dramatic potential because the military you know, i don't have experience in the military my dad was in the military but uh you know it's it, it's it's its own subculture um and so I, I looked into it and started to build out the story around it. Uh, and, and then while I'm writing it, this, the issue becomes a much bigger issue um, in the media. And, you know, plenty of people will dispute the fact that there is any issue or problem of white supremacy in the military, in the US military. You know, things as they developed in the news since writing that book, it it's just uh, it it it's become uh, something of interest okay. uh, for me. <laughs> um, Could you be any more vague, please? Yeah, no. I, I really can't. I no. don't think I can. Side note: I love the cover of Storm Rising. It's not on your website yet. I noticed. Yeah, I need to work on that. Yeah, could you work I, on that? Because I really want to see. It's such a sexy beast. Yes of a cover. I'm super excited about the cover. Um, so like it, so like it. I, I, I love that cover. I yeah, think get on that, would you? I'm gonna get on that. It's, Chris? Uh, I mean, it's weird. Uh, that book doesn't come out till May. Um, and so I was, I, before I, the books came out in January, so now I have much more time. It created a, a bigger time between the two books. The one that, you know, Savage Road was released in January 21, this book's not coming. Ryan come out in May 22, um, so 
I just haven't like gotten around to updating the website to reflect the release of the book. But let's talk about that though. Here's the question. Um, do you find it uh, beneficial or non-beneficial to have it, to be talking about it today? Um, this is the end of October. It doesn't come out for another five, six, seven months. What is it seven months, November? Yeah, seven months, six, yeah. six and a half months. Yeah, I, I did that off the top of my head. I didn't even use my fingers. Thank you, Rain is, Man. Thank you. So my question, you know, I'm happy to talk about it now because uh, I like you and I like your writing. And I want to talk about it. However, uh, you know, I want to read it first so I can get really super geek. So I guess what I'm really kind of getting at is you we're going to <laughs> Well, no, no, no. We're going to get that is we're going to have to come back around. I don't know, like, yeah, uh, April, May back. before it drops. Right. Yeah. Maybe. I don't definitely come back. Okay. So we'll just do the show from the golf course maybe, or your vineyard there it's right down the hill. Okay. Gotcha. It's right down the hill. It's right there. That's uh, I'm sure we can drop in and play, play 18. Yeah. Play nine. Hey, listen, I'll be, <laughs> hey, I always look at it this way. You can play nine not feel very hurt at the end of it, lower back. I get right, that. Right. Um, if you chunk it uh, repeatedly, you know, by the time you get through nine, you're like, Hey, you know what? That was a nice little outing. But if you, if you're chunking and, and just having I've a been known shitty, to chunk. yeah, if you, if you're having a shitty day for 18, yeah, that's that, terrible. Uh, that's yeah. not pretty. It's not, no, pre it's no not. nobody wins, Chris. Nobody. How wins. often do you get out? Are you a player? I do like to play. Uh, here's an odd thing. Uh, I'm either in here doing podcasts or writing, and I've got one of the most gorgeous courses right up the hill, Encinitas, uh, mm -hmm. right up at the top of the hill, and I don't have anybody to play with. So, you know, oh. I go do pickups or something, or right. you know, if you came down, we could do it. But uh, Yeah. Well, I, you know, when I do, when the book finally comes out, I'll, I'll do events down there. I, I go to... Warwick's. Warwick's. So, yeah, we'll, we'll maybe I'll build in a little... A little quick nine or something. I think that would be delightful. I want to be sure that I don't eat up all your time. We've covered Deep State, um, Savage Road. Uh, we've talked about as much about Storm Rising as we can. We're going to get that up on the website. We're going to read the arc. I'm so excited about number four, which is being called un Unnamed. <laughs> four is going to be amazing. Uh, oh, it's so amazing. It's going to be amazing. Did Tell I me how, why is it going to be amazing, Chris? Well, because A, uh -huh. it's not set. It Okay, I, I can talk a little bit about it. Okay. Because we're friends. It's it's set in Hawaii. Okay. Which is totally weird. I think putting Haley Chill in Hawaii is such a freak out. So that's going to be fun. Okay. And it's, it's, uh, I, I'm, all of my books, um, especially books deep state and storm rising have there there's there are controversial elements to them mm -hmm. that could potentially piss off people and and i'm all right with that mm -hmm. i mean uh i i feel good about where i go with all this stuff um and you know i share uh you know, obviously, I share a, a sense of idealism and love of country that my character does, my my franchise character does. Sure. Needless to say, um, book four 
is pure thriller. <laughs> there's, there's just, it's got a, I think a particularly diabolical plot um, with great characters. What are you writing now? <laughs> well, just taking notes, just taking notes. Um, uh, so pure I'm thriller. really excited about, it, but I'm always excited about whatever I'm working on. You have to be, or otherwise you can't, you can't get in there every day. And Sure. Um, and, but, and what's your goal every day? 1500, 2000? You know, I, I've been taking it easy. Uh, so I do anywhere between 1,000 and 1,500 a day because I have the time and, and um, I, it just, it depends. So sometimes where I get to a really great section, it'll just, it'll just pour out. And um, other days you got to do a podcast and you can't get, you can't get to it. So eats, you, up like, your time, eats up your time, messes up your mojo. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, these clowns just coming out of nowhere, asking you the same old questions oh God, that everybody every asks you. You know, I'm getting, I'm getting emails from David Brown every day. It's like, can you talk to this guy? And I'm like, seriously? Yeah. yeah no, it's, uh, it's good. I love, <laughs> I love, I love talking about it. Uh, sure. I, I want to, you know, I always, I'm cognizant. I don't want to be boring. So you're I, not, Chris, it is impossible for you to be boring. Well, that's kind of you to say, but um, I, I don't want to repeat myself either. So I try to, I try to come up with new things to talk about. And I feel like we did, I, I felt like we covered some good ground, especially talking about voice and Cormac and phrasing yeah. and writing. And that's all good. That's new stuff. Dude, you're, you're a fascinating chat. And I, uh, uh, if I wasn't just crushed on time, I literally could probably sit here and talk to you all afternoon. What are you going to do next? What happens next? And well, I've got to run my years. wife. I've, we're a one car family. I've got to run her to a gig. And then I've got to be cutting on yesterday's show that will air uh, next week. And then I start cutting on your show that will air on Friday. So I've got a few things to do. How long has the podcast been going on? How long have you been doing the podcast? Uh, uh, you are episode number, um, you're 20, I think you're 24, you're 25. Yeah, you're episode 25, so 25 weeks. Wow, wow, wait. Who was number one? Uh, May Cobb. Who was your first guest? May Cobb, and that was in hmm. June. So it's really just, I just started it, dude, and uh, um, I'm booked now through January, uh, halfway through January. One a week. One a week. Actually, I'm going to do a little something, and you're the very. This is the first time I've announced it, so I'm announcing it on the Chris Hottie show. I'm doing two episodes a week for the month of November. Because there's just so many people to get to. So many people to get to. I've I've just had an influx of great people wanting to be on the show, and it's my way of having Thanksgiving. I'm giving back, Chris. That's good. Yeah. This is a this is a great community. I, I've said this stupidly a million times, but I'm I'm so. Um, can you hear me? I look. I'm getting that message again. Uh, I'm just so happy. I'm just like dumb with happiness of being part of this community. It's just it's amazing. People are so supportive, and I, you know I'm I'm just like the guy who's been released from his you know three decade long you know uh, captivity in someone's. Uh, mansion in the hollywood hills and where i've been like pounding out screenplays or um it's just so great it, everything about it is great and i love the fact that writers like you and the crew review guys and the ryan stacks and everyone uh, uh, all you know 
are doing these podcasts to just, you know, talk. Well, we just love, uh, we love the art form. I love podcasting because my first career, I think you knew this about me, was radio. So I did right. in all the major markets. And um, I did that for 25 years, took 20 years off to do other things. And now I'm coming back around and I'm going to do the 20, next 20 doing podcasts. Because as I said to someone recently, I don't remember who it was, uh, the best thing about podcast is it's international radio. We've got some of the yeah. I'm reaching people all around the world. Yeah. And I get to talk to cool guys like you about right. guys who are out there making it. Now, you're traditionally published. I'm a self-published guy. But I, I hold hope, Chris, that one day maybe somebody, Emily Bessler perhaps, would uh, see my stuff and go, oh, my God, David, you're, you're, you're fantastic. You're almost as good as Chris. <laughs> um, well, I want to read your stuff. Okay. So, you know, we'll do an exchange via mail or something. I'll send I will you, do that. Yeah. I'll send you the ARC uh, when it gets here and or have David send you one. And um, I'll be very intimidated, Chris, though, because you're 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 a real writer. And, you know, I'm just I'm I'm hacking at it. So, you know, maybe well, maybe you'll I, like my stuff. I, I don't know. I mean, the, the marketplace, um, it's a. It's a fickle beast. Who knows? You know, I, I don't, like I said, you have to, you know, I mean, the things I wrote for Hollywood that were my own, they never got made. I mean, not well, what, never back down was an original, but it, it was sort of written to hire almost. But the ones that were like sort of my, the things that really just sprung out, I mean, um, they didn't get made, but, but thankfully, um, you know, when you do something like that in, in Hollywood, you write something that are like, well, not in a million years, we're going to fucking make this movie, but will you write our, our, uh, you know, sequel to uh, talking dogs and a cat adventure period piece. And I'm like, yeah, sure. Cause I know it'll get made. Um, <laughs> and that, that was a fun experience. It was my first credit, but you know, and then, but that wasn't me. So then I would turn around and write a gladiator movie and, People go, but wait a minute, didn't you write like Homeward Bound 2, two doc, uh, talking dogs and a cat named Sassy? And I go, you know, I mean, I'm just a writer. I'll, I can write many, many things. And, and, um, and so that's, that is uh, my answer to you, sir, is I'm sure your stuff is great. And there's, there's only equality between us. Thank you. All right. Um, I am going to read. I am going to watch that movie uh, now that I think about it. But we're now, as we get ready to wrap the show, Chris, yes, we're sir. going to do a little speed round of questions. It's off the top of your head. It's not It's not complicated. But okay. we're going to start with this. Tammy and I are going to have you and a couple of friends over for dinner. Okay. Not far from you, right down the road here. Actually, Good. Good. I want to know who are the two. You can bring two or three people. First two that pop into your head. They can be a dead or alive. Of course, they'll be alive when they come to our dinner party. Right. Who, who will uh, round out our happy clan? Who who would they be? Who would you like to have join us for this illustrious dinner? Illustrious dinner. Mm. Well, initially what popped in my head was I would bring my two grown sons, but that probably isn't the answer you're looking for. Um, I would want to bring, uh, I would want to bring Abraham Lincoln and Muhammad Ali. Mm. I think that would be fucking blast. That would be a fun dinner. I don't know Tammy, 
but I'm sure she would fit right in. But she's delightful. She's she's the best thing that's ever happened to me. Uh, it's funny. That's the first Abraham Lincoln, I believe, but it's the second Muhammad Ali. Oh, so really? I, yeah, I like that. You Gosh. imagine those two guys like tag teaming and just sort of like going back and forth with it. Yeah, see, this the one of the reasons I ask these questions is because I love to get inside the head of the reader to find out, you know, why would you pick them, and and it's it's just it's great f food for thought. All right, by the way, you're going to bring a covered dish with you. I know, I know you like to travel, which we didn't even talk about yet, but I know you also you're a bit of a cook. So, what would you bring as your covered dish, as we say in the South, and or a beverage? Just while I'm thinking about it, I make a pretty damn good pot of black beans. Oh, I would bring the black beans. Ham hock in there? No, I, no? I just uh, some onions. No, no, it's just uh, they're tasty. They're good. No ham. Okay. I'm not a vegetarian or anything, but yeah, I don't, I don't do that. So okay. some baked, or not baked beans, some black beans, mm -hmm. and um, I'd probably bring a decent bottle of tequila. Oh, you're a tequila fan. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, my wife loves tequila. Now it it brings out the beast in me. So I think Abe and uh, Ali are going to really see another uh, side of Dave. <laughs> yeah. I would love to pour. I would love to pour for those guys. That would be fun. Yeah. All right. Here, you've just gotten a great big fat check, Chris, and you're told to go disappear somewhere to chill in solitude. Just it could be a mountain cabin. It could be a bench, a beach. It could be French Riviera, Italy. Where would you be going? And what books would you take with you? Now, it's only going to be, let's say, let's make it two books, easy. So where are you going, two books, and what music will you listen to while you're in this secluded, we'll call it a month or so of your chill Man, time? That was like a multi-pronged question there. It is. Uh, is it complicated? Favorite place, favorite books, and favorite music. Yeah. So we'll go with favorite place. Just pick one. Well, I'm going to go with, I mean, I've, I've been to certain places that I really, really adore. But I think um, my new edict is to discover new places. Okay. Um, so lately I've been having a hankering for, I, I was, like I said, I was just in Hawaii uh, to research book four. Doing research, right. I know, I say that. Right. People always give me a hard time about it, but mm -hmm. I really, David, I really was doing research in Hawaii. I was working hard. But I'm not dumb, you know? It's like, <laughs> I'm, not, uh, I'm going yeah. to Greece. Perfect. Um, a Greek island. I don't know which one. Okay. Books. I think I, I've just been reading about Celine, Fernand Celine. Do you know that? Uh, uh, I think uh, Ulysses S. Grant was apparently a great writer. I would probably bring his stuff because I'd want, I'd want to see what, like, what made Grant such a great writer. Um, he wrote about his war, you know, his campaigns. Sure. And then, uh, music, music. I listened to, uh, I listened to a lot of kind of, I just, I don't even know the names of these groups or artists there. It's just mixes on that. Spotify has figured out what I like to listen to, right? Um, but I guess I would probably considering where I'm at, I think I would bring some good you know jazz like you know it seems a little a little cliched but i just think given that scenario like miles or coltrane oh yeah and that sort of you know a, a nice small house on a cliff overlooking the the uh, gnc and 
yeah. reading reading Grant and listening to you know some kind of blue some kind of blue yeah okay last question Chris Hadi what's the one thing you cannot live without uh well my my boys okay yeah my two sons fair enough where are they now they're local okay. uh, uh uh one is in uh med school third year med school and he's nearby he's doing his rotations now third year so he's all around here um he's actually working in uh, lancaster in the prison right now uh, I can't wait to get the debrief on that. But um, and then my older son is is just down the road here in in uh, Echo Park and uh, uh, a musician. So yeah, I mean, you know, my sons couldn't live without. That's him. awesome. Hey, speaking of prison, uh, and this this spurred a question. Uh, if I was going to send you a book, and I'm only going to have an opportunity to send you one because you're a busy guy, would you rather read about a female? ass-kicking private detective in Hollywood or a book about it centers around a master chef in San Francisco but the antagonist is a prison warden who has a very dark obsession B uh, if you like Silence of the Lambs you'll like the book Devour yeah that sounds great All right, that's what I'm going to send that's you. a great title too thank you I think you might like this Chris I cannot tell you uh, and I, I'm not a man of hyperbole, how much I thoroughly enjoyed this. Good. I had a really good time, too. It was a lot of fun, David. I appreciate it. Let's do it again right before Storm Rising in April. Would that be too soon? No, that'll be great. And and then Excuse another me. time right before the next book, which is called? Storm Rising. <laughs> no, the one after that. Oh, I'm not telling you. <laughs> But I will tell you this. I'm going to give you a little, little, a little nugget. Yeah. I will give you a nugget. And I can't, I am sworn to secrecy. Okay. But I can hint. And I'm always hinting. I can't really talk about, I feel bad. Like I can't talk about my books enough in detail because I don't want to give stuff away. Sure. Um, but there is, I will say this, David Temple. If you, if you or anyone who is listening or viewing likes what you've read in my work mm -hmm. and, and is interested in Haley Chill, there very well could be something for you before May 3rd and the release of, of I'm just saying that. David Brown, sorry. Sorry, man. I just had to say it. Could be something. Could be something. Could be something out there. Could be something. You heard it here first, folks. It's a secret. <laughs> Chris Hottie, thank you again, man. This has been a blast. Yeah, a lot of fun. Um, let's do it again. Let's play some golf. And, yes. Uh, drink tequila. And drink tequila <sighs> afterwards. Uh, I never drink in golf. And... Um, you know, thanks for thanks for having me on the show. My pleasure. All right, sir. That was all sorts of fun, wasn't it? What a cool dude. And a great writer. Thanks again, Chris. Okay, now on to next week's show. And this is where I share some really cool news that you heard first on the show for the entire month of November. I'll be hosting not one, but two shows a week. That's right. They'll air on Mondays and Fridays for the whole month of November. Why? 
Well, we just have so many people who want to sit down with me to talk about their books. And me being a lover of great stories, well, I have a hard time saying no, frankly. So next week, you'll be meeting two gentlemen you're really going to enjoy. On Monday the 1st, William Boyle is my special guest. Bill is the author of Shoot the Moonlight Out. And I love that book. I think you're going to love it, too. Then on Friday, William, you can call me Kent Kruger, visits us to talk about his latest book, Lightning Strike, another great novel. Both guys are super nice. Their books are so good. And I hope you'll catch both shows again on Monday the 1st with Bill Boyle and Friday the 5th with Kent Kruger. Thanks again for listening. And don't forget to leave us a quick review wherever you get your podcast. It takes people like you to help people like me grow this show. All right. I'm David Temple, and I'll see you next time on The Thriller Zone. The Thriller Zone has been presented by The Story Factory and the visionary genre-bending debut novel Grand Theft AI by James Cox. The Matrix meets Blade Runner. Grand Theft AI is available now for pre-order from your favorite bookseller.